0: back. Welcome to the Wego Places podcast, where we catch up with Wego grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at Wego since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgiev, class of 2022. Today we talk to Aidit Munoz, class of 2015, paralegal at Immigration Attorneys and UIC Law student, fall of 2022. Edith will share with us how interning for Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute in Washington, D.C. during her undergrad at U of I and how that sparked her interest to work in law and quite soon begin the road to her becoming a lawyer herself. Be sure to check out episode page on wegovox.podbean.com to find a link to Edith's documentary La Onguera a history on how her family came to West Chicago to work at the Campbell Soup Mushroom Farm. Joining us today is Edith Munoz from the class of 2015. Edith, what do you do?
1: I currently work at an immigration firm in Chicago as an immigration paralegal. And then my second job, um, I just work at LA Fitness.
0: Edith, when, when you left uh, West Chicago, what was the first uh, place you landed at? Where'd you go to college?
1: I went to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Um, initially, I started out as a psych major. I thought I wanted to study forensic psychology and like study like psychopaths, but I ended up changing my major three times until realizing that this was kind of the path I wanted to do.
0: How 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 did you make those various different pivots? Because you know a lot of people would say, "I'm just going to kind of double down on this one." But you had a lot of range to do that. How did you uh, know that it just wasn't right?
1: Well, obviously, like the first courses that you take, like in your field, are like what they call like the weaving courses. And the psychology one, I realized that I really didn't like it. Like it just wasn't what it, it wasn't a fit for me, and I really just wasn't really passionate about it. And I tried going into Latino Latina studies and Spanish and being like, okay, like I'm a native speaker. Like maybe I can be a Spanish teacher, but I also realized that I'm not like teaching is not for me. Like I'm not that patient. And I also just like, don't really know the rules to Spanish. So it's like, I realized that like I wasn't going into that field because like it wasn't something that I also liked. And when there was just like a, uh, it was a combination of things that made me realize that I wanted to go more into politics, but I did take an, uh, an internship in um, D.C. It was through this program called the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute, and I thought it was really cool because in order to, like, um, do an internship in D.C., you it's, like, very, very expensive, and, you know, as someone who grew up in, like, a working-class family, like, I wasn't able to afford that. And the, the internship um, paid for everything. Like I got a stipend, they paid for my traveling. Um, they kind of just made it pretty much possible for me and like other like Latinos in order to be in la- on the Hill. And when I was uh, there, I worked with former Congressman Luis V. Gutierrez. Anyone who knows of him knows that he's always been a, like a very, very big advocate for the immigrant community in Chicago. So when I worked with him I really really liked like the work he did and like I got to work on some really cool projects. I remember when I was um, in DC like I was doing some research for a couple of immigration like um, not cases I want to say it was just like a couple like um, ratings like in um, food factories or, or where people were working. So We got to talk to a lot of, like, families who were affected by that. So I thought it was something really cool for me to, like, as an intern, like, to participate in and kind of, like, put my, like, perspective and kind of help in. And it kind of made me really feel like they were taking my voice into consideration. And while I was in D.C., like, after work, like, we would go well, not during work, too, we would be able to go to different briefings and, like, different, like, all the, like, different topics uh, around the world. So it was kind of really, really interesting for for me, and I really liked it. And um, kind of on that same boat, and that same year, like, I took a class um, at U of I. It was a class on, like, immigration. And for my final project, it was, like, either writing a paper or um, doing, like, a creative project. And I decided to go, like, the creative project route and I did a documentary and I did it it was supposed to be like an oral history project my grandpa who um now um passed away but he would always like wear his Campbell Campbell soup like bomber jacket and I didn't really understand like when I was younger but when I got older like I asked him about it and that was kind of how like I was able to understand my history, but also just like the Latino history in West Chicago. I uh, started asking him questions and other people who uh, who worked for Campbell Soup in West Chicago. And I kind of learned a little bit of how like Texans and Puerto Rican workers that had to work for Campbell Soup initially and then kind of like tr- transitioned into like uh, Mexican workers from the state of Michoacán, which is where my family's from. And Campbell Soup had, like, barracks where, like, families lived or, like, single men lived. So I was kind of doing it through the lens of, like, immigration law. So during the time where Campbell Soup was present here in West Chicago, like, there was a lawsuit filed and there was also a strike that the workers put put together. And apparently it was, like, one of the first few – one of the first um, strikes done by agricultural workers in the Midwest – So I thought that was really, really cool because it was, like, I don't know, just, like, history in West Chicago that, like, not a lot of people know. So for me, like, I wanted to know, like, you know, who was, like, who was the people involved? Like, who was leading this? Like, who was at the front? Like, I wanted to know, like, I don't know. I just wanted to know, like, the details. But, you know, like, when I was interviewing people, like, like, workers or, like, family members, like, everybody really liked talking about how Campbell Soup was, like, The bridge to a new life and after I made the documentary I kind of like switched over to making it my senior thesis and it was something bigger and I had more research and that's kind of how like I like I knew that immigration whether it's like labor law employment law or just like immigration law was something that I wanted to do because of I would say like not only like because I'm bilingual or, uh, like, bicultural, like, I think it's just because it's something that has, like, um, I don't know, that it's more than just, like, a, a job for me, it's more like, I don't know, I love storytelling, I love, like, talking to people, like, even when I'm at work, like, I really like connecting with people and, like, making people feel, like, heard and validated, so when, um, you know, I did my presentation, like, For school like I was doing it for my grandparents you know like I was doing it for you know they were the reason like I'm here and it's also like really cool to when you think about like West Chicago is like predominantly like I would say Latino and oftentimes we don't think about like how rich that history is and like you know like how that population ended up here in West Chicago and it's kind of crazy to think If your family is from like XYZ state, like most likely your parents or your grandparents were like part of this history. But that was kind of like one of the pieces, like when I was like deciding what I wanted to do, because I have always wanted to write a book about this or just, you know, get this like a bigger platform it deserves. And after I graduated from school, I started applying for law school and I also applied for my PhD like to try to do a joint and you know, I got an interview at Yale but I ended up going through with uh, law school for now. I do think that like in the future I still want to pursue that but I start law school next fall at UIC and like I'm happy to say that I, I got a full ride of law school but that's what I'm working on for now and um I don't know. I would say like definitely like I had to like, I don't know, like it was like a trial and error, like kind of like I'd like to try stuff out. And then that's how I realized that there are certain topics or areas of study that I didn't want to do. But it's kind of what made me more sure that like immigration was more of the route that I wanted to go.
0: If you wouldn't mind me to kind of back up a little bit, how did you how did you even know to? Because I have so many questions just about your time in Washington D.C. But let's just start off with the first part of that. Um, how did that opportunity even uh, come to your awareness that you that was something that you knew that you could do, and what was the process uh, to apply?
1: I would say I'm trying to remember, but I do think that one of my friends had told me about it that like someone else at her school had done that internship. So I reached out to her and she told me about it and I applied, but I think the application process isn't, actually no, like the application process, I would say during the summer, it's when it's more competitive. I, I, I went for a semester. I went during uh, the spring semester of my sophomore or junior year of college. Like it's just the typical process, you know. It's like if you were to apply to any other internship, like you know, you need letters of rec. But I would say that it's something for like upper class upper classmen. But it, I would say it was, I don't know. Like I was really thankful for it, and it was a new experience that I never thought that I, I would have. And I also, when I was in school, when I was doing my internship there. I went to this like Latino Law Day at uh, Georgetown, and that's when I was in- started to get interested in law school. And they kind of went through like we got to sit in- into some classes and talk to some students and professors. And we went on pan- like we we saw this panel like of students and we asked some questions. So it was really cool to like not only like be on campus but see other students that look like us and were doing very, very well in law school and kind of like, you know, picturing myself in like their position in the future.
0: What was one maybe part of law that you really seemed to gravitate more towards while you were there?
1: The congressman who I was working for, Luis Gutierrez, was primarily in immigration. So it's that... I would say the majority of the work I did, but I did do some agriculture work and just because I didn't want to just focus on that and I was kind of um, trying to see if I could branch out and learn different areas. I also got to like, on behalf of the office, I got to lead a couple meetings. Um, So when I was, I think I was a senior in high school. I worked at Dunkin Donuts like during the summer. So when I was in DC, I told one of the um my uh mentors there and he let me lead this meeting with like some heads of like Dunkin Donuts. So it was kind of funny to think about it. It's like I literally was just working there when I was in high school and here I am like I don't know, just like looking more of the business side of it, but I would say it was kind of like whatever I wanted to try out or like do like I could ask but that's also just like in any role I've ever been in I've never been really scared of asking for something that wasn't in my comfort zone because I kind of like I'm always interested in learning more
0: I think that's a really interesting kind of permission that you have and confidence that you are describing there. One of my favorite expressions, I uh, someone had once said that there's no growth in the comfort zone and no comfort yeah. in the growth zone, you know, and you really seem to be uh, exhibiting that. Uh, how, when did you first uh, understand that that was something that you had that felt confidence that you could do those things?
1: Definitely like the way I grew up and just like surrounded by like, My siblings, you know, my siblings really kind of helped me be more confident and kind of, like, reassured that, like, what I'm feeling is valid. So I think definitely, like, being surrounded by people that very much validated, like, how I was feeling in order to, like, be able to say confidently that.
0: I love the... Option that you were given for your senior thesis, which was you could write a paper in the traditional sense, but you worked in a medium for the documentary. I, I want to go back uh, to that. You know, that's not an easy thing to do because you know you you probably have been you know I, this is how you write a paper. I have to research it. You know, there's how, how did you find the learning curve to uh, kind of understand how to work with microphones, editing, and film, and then really kind of storyboard all the information that you're bringing out together. I would love for you to maybe describe the, the process of how you kind of brought all of this together.
1: Yeah. So for my immigration class, I did a documentary. And for my senior thesis, I did like a thesis, but I also did include like video aspects I'm not the best with like cameras and like editing and stuff. But um, my sibling, Manny Munoz, was able to like help me get cameras and stuff like that. So they were definitely a big help in that. And for my senior thesis, like they were also really big help with um, some of my videos. The videos for my thesis were just like um, small portions of my documentary um, and just like a combination with my newer research so for example like there's a a facebook page that i found for members who were present during or had family members who worked for campbell soups and um and the the community actually calls it la kind of coining off the the mushroom term for that's what was being harvested at uh, campbell soup so i like on that facebook page i would comment like videos or like to see if I could get some like interaction and that was part of like the research that I put in my videos um like the comments or like pictures and stuff like that so it was definitely a little bit challenging because I would say compared to the other thesis that were being presented like uh in my department mine was definitely a lot lot a lot less like um by the book or things like that. It was obviously an oral history project. So a lot of my evidence was like people, videos, pictures and stuff like that. But I do think that like it was more of a project that I wanted to do for my family, for West Chicago, for myself. So I don't know. I, I really, really loved it. And I wish like I would have had more time. And that's why like I mentioned like I'm still like considering getting my phd at some other point um just because i just don't think that um this story it has like has get, has gotten its platform that it deserves and like i don't know it just it would just be really cool to have like west chicago in like in more history books or things like that
0: so amazing do you still have a copy of this documentary
1: uh it's on YouTube, but yes, it is. Um, but if you're interested or if anyone's interested in, that, I can share the link or even to my... Uh, just for
0: for people who don't know, could you maybe give just a, a summary of like the the decades and the uh, just kind of more of the the arc of what the uh, Campbell's Soup um, uh, kind of mushroom camp and, and all that was like in West Chicago? I...
1: Yeah, so I... I want to say off the top of my head, it was between like the 1940s to the 1970s, kind of pushing it to the 80s. And location-wise, it's kind of where Wheaton Academy is now. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, at first, it was like Puerto Rican workers and Texan workers that were working for Campbell Soup. And what it entailed was just like growing, harvesting, and like picking mushrooms. And if, if you don't know how to grow mushrooms, like they're, they're, um, you have to grow them in like a dark, dark place and you have to use water beds. And there's just like a lot more, it's not what the typical, like growing that you would think that's outside. Campbell Soup had barracks and like a soccer team for the people. So it's just like, it was, I would say it was a lot more community based and obviously a, a majority of The people that worked, like, you know, picking the mushroom was Latinos. I'm trying to...
0: So you graduated from U of I. Mm
1: -hmm. And then
0: how did you find your way into law?
1: Right after I graduated, I was... I took... I gave myself a little break before studying. But I was working, like, a full-time job during that time at another law firm. So I was, like, working eight to five and studying for the LSAT. And, um, but I, I didn't really, I didn't really know when, like, I, I wanted to apply. And if, you know, like, if I'm being honest, like, I applied to law school twice. And the first time I didn't get in because the way I think about it is, like, I was rushing it and I really just wanted to get it over with, but I knew in the back of my head that it was not my time to go to law school. Like, like I mentioned, I was working full time. I don't think that's that's the way to go if you are trying to give like the all set your all. And as someone who, I like when I was in high school, I was really bad at standardized testing. Like the ACT was not my thing. So having to put like you know time out of my schedule to study, like I I was not financially stable enough to take time off to just study, and so. When I applied um, the first time, I didn't get into the schools that I wanted to. And I knew that I had a, a better chance of applying or I'd be a better candidate the second time around. Um, and it took a whole pandemic for me to be able to, you know, get time off and get paid, you know, and just study. And that summer when the pandemic had started like around March was when I was first uh, hearing back from my schools, and I was also just like, yeah, I'm just gonna start studying for the LSAT. And I would say like, I'm kind of really thankful that that all happened. And at first I was kind of you know really disappointed, you know, I had that imposter syndrome, like you know maybe like this isn't the route for me. But I I don't I I was really proud of myself, you know, and it's kind of hard for me to like believe that I was able to you know to get into law school not only obviously, the second time around, but, like, with a full ride, Um, just because, like, I don't know, it's just, like, I I don't know a lot of people that I have had full rides to law school, but also just for me, as someone who grew up in, in a household where, like, money was, like, a very, very big thing, like, obviously, it takes, it takes, like, a lot of, like, stress off of me, like, knowing that, like, I don't have to worry about that, but even when I was applying to school and, like, if anybody's interested, like, I have no problem helping anyone out. I I didn't really pay a lot for my applications or stuff like that. Like, I found a program that paid for my LSAT class, like, and they also helped, um, pre- like, prepare my essays and stuff like that, like, proofread and stuff like that. So, I was very, very, like, intentional and very strategic about how I was applying and like just saving money so it's like for me I I didn't know where to start I really didn't like I didn't have you know like uncles aunts that have gone to law school and stuff like that so for me it's kind of like I had to start out asking my friends or asking at this like the career center luckily U of I has a pre-law advising program so I was able to like Meet with the advisor and she was kind of, the advisor I first started with helped me, like, a timeline of when to apply and things like that. And that for someone who's, like, trying to apply for law school and has, like, no experience, like, uh, it, it was really helpful to be able to vision and not just go in, like, you know, blindsided.
0: You knew that you could access those resources, and then and we're really able to successfully act upon what they were going to provide you, and 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 really just kind of take off from there. What a relief, you know, that you got law school ready to be uh, kind of taken care for from a tuition standpoint. Oh, that's so exciting! So you said you start that in yes, the fall, I next technically fall.
1: Technically, should have started this year. I deferred just because of uh, family reasons. Um, my my grandparents. They're, like, who I wrote my personal statement about, like, they're who my thesis uh, is about, like, two of my grandparents passed away, and one of my abuelitas is still left here in West Chicago, so I moved back, and I'm trying to save some money and spend more time with her just because, I don't know, I just, like, I get really emotional thinking about law school and just thinking about, like, they're the whole reason that I wanted to go to law school, and I don't know, it's just, like, I kind of, like, want to make sure that I also right before I start school, like I know I'm not going to have like people always describe law school as like having a no life or just like studying, studying, studying. So it's like, I would like, I don't know. I feel like right now it's like a, the perfect time to like, I don't know, spend more time with my grandma, you know, and because of the pandemic, like my job has given me, one of my jobs has given me the flexibility of working from home some days. So it's kind of nice. Like I'll work from home with, uh, at my grandma's house. So, but yes, next fall, 2022, I start, uh, law school.
0: And I was wondering if you can kind of talk about like, what is it that you do as a, a paralegal? What are, what's a typical day like for you and what's the workflow flow for you and how do you get the various different, what's the range of types of, uh, assignments and, and work that you do, uh, at, at the law office?
1: Depending, like I, I try to work in the office two, three days a week, but I, so as a paralegal, I basically work with the the, the law firm I work at is just immigration attorneys. So I work with roughly like five, six different attorneys, and there's the case manager who gives you, who assigns you cases. So when I first started, I had just like adjustments based cases, such so as like people who are trying to become residents or citizens or things like that. So like very, very like typical easy cases. But now that I'm like more experienced, I have like asylum cases, like U visa cases, like student student visas. And uh I would say like how I go about my day because they're kind of really laid back and I'm very, very organized. So it's like I have, you know, like an Excel sheet with all my cases and like color coded with like the last thing I did for them and like what I need to do so I it's kind of like pretty much like working with the attorneys and seeing what they there's some attorneys that ask for you to do more for them so it's like it could be like translating documents like there's only a couple attorneys in my firm that speak Spanish but for the most part like a lot of them rely on me and like translating like it could be phone calls or documents but most of the times, like, I meet with the clients and go over documents that they brought in or forms. So it's, like, that's a really big thing. It's, just like, um, having clients, like, fill out questionnaires and so I can fill out the forms for them. And, you know, like, going over, like, documents that we need. And then my job is also to put together these cases, like, um, and filing them. So I would say it's just, like, the way I think about it, like, I, I feel kind of, like, geeky because I really like my job. Like, I kind of see it like puzzle pieces. So, it's like, okay, I did this thing. I need to do this thing. And, like, I don't know. Like, I really I really like what I do. And I don't know. At my job, they kind of make fun of me because I – they kind of give me anything new. Like, oh, just give it to V because she likes trying new stuff. Because I do, it's just like I – I don't know, like, I might get really anxious at first because I don't know how to do something. Um, Like, for example, at work, I learned how to take people's, like, fingerprints. And I was like, well, this is so, like, this so different. Like, I never thought that I would learn how to do, like, something that for some people might be very, like, easy. But for me, it's just, like, I don't know. It's just, like, really cool that my job has, I don't know, given me the flexibility to learn, like, any type of case that, I want to learn because we have, like, at our firm, we have, like, family-based cases, but we also have employment-based cases, and most of my work is, is family-based, but I don't know, I just, like, I'm kind of working on, like, getting to know everything um, before I before I start school.
0: It, 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 I, I've interviewed some uh, alumni that have gone off to be lawyers. And I know that in during law school, they are uh, definitely exposed to different types of uh, law uh, during their studies. Uh, do you have one that you because it seems like you had a, a r- real breadth of experience of the type of things that you're exposed to at your current work? Is there one that you're kind of seemingly already have a budding interest in right now?
1: Obviously, I've, I've been working with immigration for a while. And it's the one I'm most likely going into, I've, a, I've also worked at like a criminal defense firm. And I also really like that. Um, I think for me, it's between definitely like immigration and criminal law. Um, just because personally, I think that's the type of law that, uh, black and brown people tend to be affected by the most. And I feel like it's the space that I think for me, like specifically, like I think, uh, I would be the best in, and I think that I'm the most interested in, but as of now, definitely immigration. Like, I don't know what route specifically, but I, as of now, like I'm looking more into like potentially like being a judge.
0: I always like ending the interview with uh, tips for success that you could give current Wildcats. What would you offer them?
1: Wrote down like two, actually three. So the first one, I would say is definitely network. So it's kind of something I learned when I was in DC, you know, getting people's business cards, like and talking to people and just seeing how like you can connect with people and understand because maybe you might not know this right now. But at some other point, you'll meet someone you'll be like, Oh my gosh, I know someone perfect for you to connect. Kind of seeing how like, Not only how you can help others, but how others can help you. And in that same kind of, like, umbrella, like, finding mentors. I think that that's probably, like, the biggest one I have. Like, I have different kind of mentors. Like, I have mentors in my field. I have a couple of, one of my mentors, I met her when I worked at a paint store at U of I. Like, I carried out her paint and she ended up donating money to my like sorority scholarship but she she ended up being like one of the best mentors i've ever had like it's just like people that you might not know in what way they can help you grow sometimes it's like professionally but sometimes it's just like you might need someone i don't know like to help you like adulting um
0: <laughs> i love that yeah. word it's so the true we all need one, that I would say, <laughs>
1: Um, you know, I know that oftentimes we talk about, you know, finding a seat at the table, but I really think it's about creating your own seat at the table. Um, you know, especially for like, for women, women of color, you know, black and brown students, I feel like oftentimes we don't have a seat at the table and we have to create it. Um, so I think, I don't know, just like finding, finding a lot of empowerment in who you are and just knowing like, you're worthy. And um, it's kind of like that imposter syndrome. And when you go to college, you kind of realize that like you feel that and I feel when you asked about like the whole confidence thing, it's, it's a work in progress. Like you, you have to keep telling yourself, like, sometimes you need like powwows and be like, dang, like, I need somebody to tell me that I'm doing this, like I'm doing it right. But yeah, I, I would say those three things are like, uh, I know something that can help you, at least if you don't know what you want to do, but for sure helping you feel like you're going the right way. And if anyone who's studying like law, I mean, or wants to study law, wants to connect, like I am more than like happy to help any U of I, I mean, uh, West Chicago student or alumni as well.
0: this has been super informative and I I'm so excited to uh, learn more about your documentary and, and very, and even more excited about what you're going to do next fall when you start up law school at UIC. So thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. Help spread the word about We Go Places podcast by sharing this episode with one other wildcat. As always, Find past and future episodes on Apple or Google Podcasts or any other platform. Just search WeGoVox. That's WeGoVox. You can also stay current by following us on Facebook at WeGoPlacesPodcast or on Twitter at WeGoPlaces.